What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Corey Clipston. Corey is the founder and CEO of Give Bitcoin. If you're in the Bitcoin space, you might have heard rumblings of Give Bitcoin, uh, Give Bitcoin rather, over the last uh, few months. Um, basically, it's a service that's going to allow. Well, the, it's a service that's designed to help bring people into the fold. So all of your no coin or pre coiner friends. It's designed to help to try to get them uh, into Bitcoin, get them owning some Bitcoin, and then attach some education to that so that uh, they can start their journey down the rabbit hole, as it were. So this service allows you to gift Bitcoin. So you, you use fiat to gift Bitcoin. The service purchases the Bitcoin on your behalf, gifts it to the recipient, and then time locks it for a period of one to five years. So you give it to you, let's say your mom, set it for two years, you can't touch it, she can't touch it, and then she gets a bunch of uh, educational material to become familiar with Bitcoin in the interim, interim period. Um, and of course, the idea is to not only get Bitcoin in the hands of people, but also to make sure that they are not tempted to touch it, trade it, sell it, any of those sorts of things. So very interesting concept, just getting started. And uh, I thought it would be cool to get Corey on just to talk about the genesis of it, how it works, um, what their plans for the future are, and all that kind of stuff. So that's it. Hope you enjoy. Let's do it. Well, look, man, um, we'll jump right into it. I appreciate you coming on. It's something, um, you know, Give Bitcoin, I think, came on my radar a month, month or two ago. And it's one of those uh, like services that kind of just clicks, you know. And I, you know, we'll we'll obviously get into this, but one of the big things that we all encounter as Bitcoiners is, you know, our loved ones, friends, family, that kind of thing. Like, how do we how do we cross that bridge without coming off as a lunatic and without you know and without really giving investment advice? Because that's one thing. Like, as as strongly as we believe in this thing, you know investment advice is like politics you know you don't really want to discuss it because you know you're on the hook if something goes bad and you know you don't want that kind of responsibility so give bitcoin is a is a seems like a really cool service to help kind of massage that problem and maybe get it into the hands of more people but um before we get into all the details of that because i got lots of questions why don't we just why don't you tell me your uh, journey to bitcoin and then we'll we'll get things kicked off yeah sure so you know, it dovetails so nicely with the creation of the product in a lot of ways because I somebody gave me some Bitcoin in January of 2014 and, uh, you know, it didn't take. I didn't go down the rabbit hole. I had, you know, just kicked off uh, a startup and I was a co-founder and I was super busy raising money and hiring and, you know, just it, I remember even being super interested in it and I even sat next to at that same conference where somebody gave me Bitcoin, I sat next to a guy named Bradley Rotter who's a longtime gold bug and super into Bitcoin. And, <laughs> but after that conference, it was just like out the other ear and I went, up, went about my merry way and it didn't really hit me again until uh, all the noise in spring of 17, um, you know? And, you know, the interesting thing about that was uh, all the noise was coming. I, I've been working in, in Silicon Valley startups, basically angel investing, advising, occasionally operating for about six and a half years ever since leaving Google. And, um, you know, so in my network, it was all of the people doing altcoins, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a lot of uh, Ethereum this, and, and the guy that sort of sparked my interest was had just taken a job. He had left one of the best jobs in VC uh, to go and be like the fundraiser BD guy for what became Orchid Labs. 
And so I kind of came at it initially through that. Luckily, everyone that I reached out to said, start with Bitcoin. Um, so that's what I did. I started reading in summer of 17 and, and you know, got super interested in Bitcoin, you know, but I, I still had, you know, as we know, this is like a new technology that makes you want to think about it like technology if you come from that industry. Right, right. Later, do you get the, the right mental model and you realize, you know, the technology is like 10 or 15 percent of it and, it's, you know, 85 or 90 percent money. Yeah. And you need a different way of thinking about it. So it took a while for me to get there. Uh, I really wanted to work in the industry somehow. Um, being in Los Angeles, this is, you know, the DNA was super noisy around here and they had a bunch of EOS money and a bunch of people that had done the ETH pre-sale and the, in the crowd sale. And so that was Sorry, kind of like, what, what was, what was super noisy? Um, DNA fund, which is uh, Brock Pierce, his, his fund basically doing ICOs and stuff like that. So, and you, that's kind were, of, were I, you, you were involved in that in some capacity? Yeah. Yeah. I started out coming in, trying to help ICOs get off the ground. They looked like startups to me. Right. <laughs> and basically, so I was doing that, uh, from like November through about February or March of 18. And that's kind of when I, I think I read my last white paper probably in February or March of 18. Mm -hmm. um, but I already had a job. I was, I was president and chief investment officer of DNA mm -hmm. and I continued in that role for about six months, basically just hiring people to read white papers and, and do the work. But I just personally, my interests had moved on. I started a consulting division to only deal with people that had already raised a lot of money because I just didn't really believe in the model. And uh, I started working on, you know, I, I was by that point just completely down the rabbit hole on just Bitcoin. Started trying to create a Bitcoin ecosystem fund under that umbrella. Was working with like Steve Lee and Dan Held and some other Bitcoiners trying to figure out how to do that. DNA was not the right place probably to do that. I left at the end of August uh, 2018 and basically just focused on Bitcoin full time plus Silicon Valley startups. So I continue to do advising and angel investing in in regular startup land. I like SaaS startups, marketplaces, platforms, ad tech, stuff like that. Yeah, it, it's such a it's such a funny phenomenon. And, you know, I, I've spoken to a, a bunch of people on this podcast and one of the the questions I ask them is, you know, have you ever purchased uh, altcoins? And if so, are you likely to do so again in the future? And um, I ask that question because I just want to see how many people and in what capacity they, you know, the, the kind of frenzy uh, swept, you know, how, how they got swept up in the frenzy. And I think, every, I mean, there's very few people that are like, no, man, I like I knew it the whole time. I was only Bitcoin and I knew this was kind of a kind of a mess. But I am like I'm intrigued by, uh, you know, because the big blockchain thing was obviously very big. And uh, it seems like it's starting to turn around now, although I am very immersed in Bitcoin. So it's I, I, I'm not I don't keep my ear really to the ground in what's going on outside of Bitcoin. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there's still lots of activity, but I think the. The luster may have come off it, and certainly the price action uh, doesn't inspire that much, uh, you know, interest these days. But what was it like for you, you know, being with with a place like DNA, you know, helping these projects raise money and advising them and stuff, but then having that change of heart in the you know early mid 2018, but still working in an environment where everybody's super gung ho about like you know ICOs and other projects. What? You know, what were you thinking on a daily basis? What was that? What did that feel yeah. like for you? I mean, in my case, it wasn't really that hard because, you know, I basically just 
put people in place to do their jobs. I was a little bit more of a resource allocator. Um, and we were raising money essentially with, you know, our version of the Galaxy deck to go and, and try to go public or do some kind of like reverse merger or something like that. So it was a lot of sort of admin and, and hiring and just allocating resources. Um, and then like the consulting thing was fine because that was people that had already done their raise and they were trying to figure out what to do with the money and you're trying to figure out how to get them to, you know, do something worthwhile. And that, that's not that different than startups. But it just even that became more and more apparent to me, you know, trying to get something done with that. I already knew I didn't like the ICL model. And then when I was looking at the tech that they had and the teams that they had and, you know, any sort of prospect for this technology to hit escape velocity ever, maybe, <laughs> it just didn't seem like a good use of time. Right. So what what was the, the catalyst for that shift? Because I, I heard in an interview uh, that you did that, I think in maybe November 2017, you were most your you were all VC, and then you know 60 days later you were all crypto, and then I guess three four months after that you had changed. So what was the the catalyst for the change of heart, change of opinion for you? Uh, I mean, I saw a lot. Like sitting in that seat, you were seeing pitches all day every day, and I had a frame of reference. Like I think a lot of people got into you know, ICO investing or altcoin investing, you know, sort of the startup side of that, the early projects uh, without having a background in startups in VC. And so they couldn't really sniff it out and say like, wow, that's a crap product. That's not a real market. That's a bad team, you know? And I was just looking at it and seeing that the quality across the board was like pretty low. So for me, that was the first thing. And then as I went much, much deeper on Bitcoin and just, you know, kind of caught up, Having joined in 17, there were, you know, there was seven years of literature to catch up on, uh, and as I did, it just became evident to me. That's when that's when I started. It was like February or March of 18 that I was like, oh, it's money, it ain't tech, right? You know, and, and that changes like, everything. Liquidity and you know, probably going to be one winner, power law distributions, and, and that's when that all sort of started to become clear to me, and you know, so yeah, it was for my personal account, it was as much Bitcoin as possible from then on. <laughs> All right. So you left uh, DNA fund in, in August. What did yep. the, the following and, and give Bitcoin was kind of hatched in spring of this year. Is that correct? Like the, I had the idea, April 10th. Right. So what yeah. did that interim period look like for you from leaving DNA to kind of cha changing your sort of stance and opinion on this whole the crypto and Bitcoin thing and leading to give Bitcoin? Yeah. Well, so I knew for the last three months that I was DNA at DNA that I wanted to do Bitcoin full time, which is why I was trying to do the fund, the you know Bitcoin ecosystem fund, essentially like consensus for Bitcoin. Um, and so when I left DNA, I continued to sort of like keep that going, but kind of backburnered it a little bit because I needed to figure out some way to you know make money. Uh, I started doing more sort of advising and consulting for regular <laughs> non-Bitcoin blockchain startups in Silicon SF in New York again. And um, my first idea was kind of uh, with a couple of guys that I'd worked with that wanted to do a structured product. Um, and then the second one was a closed end fund that would be like 80% Bitcoin and 20% levered treasuries that could probably get listed and be available in like retail and institutional brokerage accounts a lot faster than an ETF could be. That may actually end up being true. Um, my my partner back then was a guy named Steve McClurg. It looks like he he, he started Theseus earlier this year. 
uh, after rolling out of Arca, and that's the product that he's working on, and you know, it seems like it may actually happen, so that's pretty cool. My problem with that for me personally was one, like I like getting things rolling, but once you know, if I was going to have a role in that going forward, you're talking about, you know, up and down Wall Street, right. talking to people that don't give a shit what you're talking about. And like, <laughs> I am way more motivated by talking to people that already care what I'm talking about. And, you know, interestingly, with like a huge, like big business background, um, you would think that I'd be much more like B2B oriented, because I worked at like Microsoft and Morgan Stanley and McKinsey and Google. But like, what really motivates me is actually consumer. It really is like individual humans and figuring out ways to, you know, get them interested in things at scale, you know, essentially using software, I guess, software and, and media <laughs> to change behaviors and, and push people in, in good directions. And so how did that manifest into give Bitcoin? Like what was the aha moment? Where, where did the idea come from? Yeah. Yeah, so you have as the background that I was given Bitcoin and it didn't take, and I also lost it, by the way. Um, can't <laughs> how much? How it. much? How much were you given, and by who? Uh, it was actually Brock, Brock Pierce. Oh, Brock Pierce. Didn't really, yeah, didn't really know him back then, but he used to be a media guy, and he was at a media conference giving Bitcoin to everybody. Uh, he gave me fifty dollars of Bitcoin at the time. I don't know what it was in January. I think it was probably six or seven hundred bucks. Right. So, like, not a big deal. I think it was like. A quarter of a bitcoin or something like that but you know just enough to wish you still up, had it <laughs> ended up being meaningful you know in december of 2017 and i was but i could not figure out the password um but then the uh the thing that really pushed it over was i knew that bitcoin was a big deal for sure by like fall of 17 after reading all summer and that's when i started really talking to my parents about it and my dad and it took me 18 months to get my parents to buy some Bitcoin. Wow. So my dad finally smashed by in like March of this year. And of this uh, year, of this year. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So 18 months, right? Yeah. So fall yeah, of 17 yeah. right. through spring of 19. So 18 months. And I was thinking about the number of conversations that I had with him and my mom too about Bitcoin and the number of articles that I found and sent and videos that we both watched and books that I'd sent and all of these things. And I was like, that does not scale. <laughs> you know, so I had kind of those two things as, as the, the legs of the stool that, that made the idea for Give Bitcoin, I think, just pop out of my head. I'd, um, I do a lot of happy hours. I've uh, been doing them since like 2011 with founders and VCs in Chicago and LA. And I did one up in SF and I invited uh, a couple of Bitcoiners and some Silicon Valley CEOs and, you know, asked, asked one of the Bitcoiners to pitch one of the CEOs that was a total pre-coiner. And, uh, you know, just listening to someone who, with a lot of arrows in their quiver, who's really eloquent and a great writer that we all read, you know, kind of pitching this woman on Bitcoin and like, it's hard. You just can't get it across in like 15, 20 minutes. It just doesn't not take yeah. even super smart people that would be, you know, ready for that. Um, and so, yeah, and the, I had a couple beers and then on the flight back to LA, I had a whiskey and, uh. It just popped out basically fully formed. It was give plus time lock plus educate equals Bitcoiner. And the, the time lock really solves a lot. It gets you um, it gets you used to hodling. It makes it safe so that they don't lose it. It makes it so that they have, you know, we, we have a minimum one year holding period, max five years. But in that first year, like that's enough time if you're doing a good job with the education and getting things in front of them. 
um, and helping them along that they're unlikely to trade it for Ripple or, you know, sell when Bitcoin goes up 20% or something. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you're, when you're saying that, you know, you got someone who's super articulate, informed, all that, and it's still such a, such a difficult thing to, uh, to communicate to somebody effectively. It reminds me of that uh, Matrix quote. You can't be told what the matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. You know, like you have to be so primed already with about, you know, so many different sort of understandings and perspectives on things. And then Bitcoin comes in and kind of uh, is of interest to you and you kind of see where it fits. Whereas if Mm -hmm. you're if you're trying to break down that wall with somebody who is not looking for a better solution for money, is not that well informed about the history of money and all that kind of stuff, then. You know, you could say all the right things and it just wouldn't, it just might not get through, you know, and I'm sure we've all had that experience. Um, right. So with, with Give Bitcoin, so the idea is, you know, you're my mom, dad. I say, I'm going to give you 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin. So it goes through your service. I time lock it for one to five years uh, and then they can't touch it. So right. during that time, who's the custodian? Do I have like emergency access to it as the giver or do they have it as the receiver? Yeah, we'll start with those two. Okay, so uh, no access for the giver. The receiver has view access, but can't do anything with it. They can only view their account. Uh, you, by, by using our service as the receiver, you have opened an account um, you know, through our interface with Prime Trust which is a well-known custodian in the U.S. They, they custody like over 50% of the Reg A fundraisings from, from crowdfunding over the last decade. Um, they're the custodian for Binance U.S., Wobi, OKX, Bittrex, uh, and a ton of funds and OTC desks. Um, so pretty, pretty robust technological and security solution there. Um, and they've done a really good job. You know, I have no problem boosting boosting them up. They've done a nice nice job making publicly available APIs that you can build on top of and essentially own the customer interface with with a pretty good back end um, provided by them. Um, so that's that's how that works. And it, oh, this is one other interesting thing. Um, a lot of people want to give a gift, but they don't want to have to follow up. So it's not always going to be your sister or your uncle or your like your homeboy from college. It might be somebody at a conference. And you don't necessarily want to load that up with like 20 bucks or 50 bucks and give it to somebody that may not even accept that. So that's the other concept is the transaction never happens until the recipient accepts and creates the account and then the transaction actually goes through. Right. So you're also allowed to give away any of your own Bitcoin. We don't want anyone to give away their own Bitcoin. I like that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, we only allow for the uh, the liquidation of dirty fiat for beautiful orange coin. Right. And so how you guys take the fiat, you buy Bitcoin, and that's how you fund the, the gift. And then you yeah. guys, your rev model is just, just you take a, a cut of the in- incoming fiat. That's right. Yeah. Do you, do you publish what that is, like as a percent? The plan, or? the plan is for 2%. So our fee is 2% on ACH. And then uh, I think there's another 25 basis points. So it's like 2.25 all in. Right. The 25 is, is basically the uh, the exchange fee. And so do you guys have emergency access to the funds or are they just locked, 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 no matter what? Locked, locked. We don't have any access to it at all. Wow. And so I'm sure you've been playing, this is live already or in beta, you guys have been playing with this, right? 
We're in alpha test right now, so we've got uh, about 25 or 30 people hammering away on it and finding bugs and making, you know, copy change suggestions and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. yeah, we're we're charging really hard to get it out by next Tuesday because there's a big conference here in uh, in Los Angeles and we want a lot of people. We're in the goodie bag, so there'll <laughs> be a few thousand people trying to hit the site, and I hope they're not just entering their email address. <laughs> right. And so, well, that, that's a good, good thing. So how do you gift it? Like if I'm, if I'm identifying, how do I identify someone to gift it? What information do, does the platform need for the recipient and for the sender actually? Just their email address. That's it. Yeah. And we'll have text. I think we'll just, we'll be using phone numbers like soon. It's like phase two. And then to claim it in, let's say five years time, what will they need? So to open an account and even accept the transaction in the first place, they have to KYC. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the, you, you, I mean, it's a custodial account. It's somewhat equivalent. It's not quite as onerous as a bank account, but you know, Prime Trust is a custodian and every one of their customers that has funds on their platform is KYC. Right, so if I, again, want to give it to you know, my mom in a five-year time lock, she has to go through the KYC before I can yeah. do that. That's right. And what, what, what does that entail? You know, I, I don't know for sure, but it's not it's not like a foreign uh, uh, crypto exchange. It's a little less onerous than that, and the flow is pretty nice. So like, uh, we're playing with it right now. So, but it's probably going to be like name, address, pro you know, proof of address or ID, some something like that. Yeah, something like that. Right. And I guess there's no way around that if you're going to be using a custodian, mm -hmm. right? Nope, no way around it. And there's no way to do what we're doing without a custodian. Right. Like it doesn't solve it doesn't solve the friction problem. I mean, I, the very first thing when I thought of this, the first thing I went way deep on talking to everybody and reading everything I could was just about like uh, time lock functions on network and seeing if there was a way to do that. Um, and it's just you know you still have the same problem of if you've given it over now you're requiring somebody to be you know pretty deeply technical to not lose their Bitcoin. And then that basically still leaves all that friction for the giver because they are basically Bitcoin IT support for life for everyone that they spawned. Right. And that's what we want to get rid of. We want to make it super easy for you to be a mega evangelist of Bitcoin using yeah. this product. And, and so the, the giver has to be KYC'd as well, right? You just said that? Mm -hmm. No, because no. they're, they're basically KYC'd by their bank by virtue of having a bank account. Oh, okay. Okay. So they can, yeah. they can just open up the app or the platform send 50 bucks, uh, yeah. put the email of the recipient in. We're asking, we don't have to, but we are asking for your name and email address so that we can keep in touch. Right. We also have, um, so that's not a requirement of Prime Trust, but we are requiring that because we actually want to be able to email you and say like, hey, you know, Jenny just finished module two. She learned about the history of money. Here, here are three things that people like to ask you know, the, the Bitcoiners that they've spawned or the new coiners that they've spawned in case you want to check in on her. Right. That kind of so no handling required, but we provide ways, you know, the plan is to provide ways for people to, to check in with their gifties um, if they want to. Right. So, if, so when I select someone to give it to, I, you know, I sign up, but then let's say I'm giving 50 bucks to my mom again. She gets an email saying, hey, John wants to give you 50 Bitcoin. Before we can do that, you need to blah, 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 register KYC, and then you'll have, you'll be able to receive it. Is that kind of how it works? That's, that's exactly it. Right. And so as part of this service, you just referenced the education bit, but we haven't really covered it yet. So I give 50 bucks to my mom. 
she gets the email, says, hey, your son wants to give you 50 bucks, and she does her registration, uh, and then she gets it, and then what follows in terms of education? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, there's first like a, a welcome email that right. you know has some resources if they want to just get cracking, uh, and then so two things. One, we're working on the curriculum right now, so at launch we will probably have uh, three of the twelve modules. But it's essentially we're thinking about the twelve months of Bitcoin or the twelve lessons of Bitcoin or something like that, and kind of you know, as an industry and, and a community, like we're getting better at you know what may be the right sequence to talk about this stuff. A lot of people are kind of like, you have to like hook them and get them excited about Bitcoin at a high level. And then you're kind of talking about, you know, what is money and what's the history of money and how we ended up here and some of these things. And obviously at some point you're going to get into low time preference. And then later on, you're going to get into, you know, cold storage and nodes and privacy tech and things like that. So, you know, that's kind of the, the flow over the course of the year. Um, I think what's probably unique about it is we are really speaking to somebody that's actually in this situation. Um, you know, so I think, you know, it's, it, it's all through the lens of like somebody cared enough about you to, to want to get, get you into Bitcoin. And then also the, you know, the primary research that we're doing, which is basically interviews with a bunch of our advisors and some of the top people in, in Bitcoin. So this is like, you know, Stefan Levera and Jan Pritzker and the Bitcoin rabbi and safety and a moose and Murad and, you know, all these people are on our cap table as advisors and, and helping us out. Um, they are generating the curriculum with us. Um, and we're actually recording those interviews with them that then becomes the curriculum, along with tons of secondary research and looking at everything that's out there already and linking to most of those source materials in the modules. Right. And it's not like gamified in any way, right? There's no obligation to do the education. It's just they have access to it as being a recipient of the, the, the gift, right? It's a very common question, and I think the future of this probably does have some gamification and probably does have some hurdles and some rewards and things like that. You know, there's a few different ways that, like, we kind of have some whiteboarding on this. One thing is just to reward people with sats that may not cost us a ton of money, but, you know, might have leaderboards and, you know, it's, it's real money in it. You know, once you're a Bitcoiner and you're kind of into it, like everybody kind of applies like a 10x multiple to any Bitcoin that they have, and so those sats can actually be kind of meaningful. Um, so every sat counts. Yeah. Yeah. Or we may do something where, you know, the, you know, if you're going to gamify your gifties, uh, experience on the platform, you may do something like give a gift of a hundred dollars and then you'll have like a allocation B is what is the pot that they can earn over the course of it. And so you could put in like another 50 bucks worth or another 20 bucks worth that they can earn. Mm -hmm. um, and if they don't earn it, then you just get it back. Right. Interesting. And there's another aspect of the service is that it can kind of serve like a registry, right? So if like I'm, well, I'm, I'm me, right? And I'd rather receive Bitcoin than, you know, a new t-shirt at Christmas time or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> then I can say to, you know, family and friends, here's a, here's a link to, to like basically effectively send me Bitcoin through yeah, give Bitcoin, it goes right? Page that says like John wants Bitcoin. How much do you want to give him? But it has to be time locked for a minimum a year, right? Yeah. All right. We may play with that down the road. For now, everything's time locked. Um, but yeah, I think there's probably a use case where someone who wants Bitcoin is essentially saying like, "Hey, I'm the type of person that 
knows enough about Bitcoin that I just want my Bitcoin. Right. But, I, I, uh, you could you I, could pass I, the test or something like that. You know, like you devise a test and I, like, all right, I, you can have it like now. That. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that was something, you know, this is one of these things like I just love getting into a space. And then like once you're thinking about it all the time and talking to people, you end up with better ideas. And yeah, we realized you know, fully three months into this, it wasn't until July that we realized that the get side of this is probably going to be a lot bigger, um, you know, because I think people are super motivated to get Bitcoin and they oh, have totally. that greed. And you they know, are going to, you know, every, every, yeah, you know, every damn Bitcoiner is going to be telling their friends and family, you know, here's a way for you to give me Bitcoin at my yeah. next birthday or Christmas or something. Um, but then it's like, it's super interesting because, you know, this now gives like if I'm thinking sort of expansively about this and what it could mean in sort of a broader context, you know, there are a lot of people in this space, a lot of the authors and podcasters that basically say we have to wait for a generational change, that it's like going to be really, really hard to pull people that are like 55 plus or, you know, over 70 into this. But, you know, I've, I've had a lot of conversations with some people in that demographic, a couple of whom are, uh, are big time Bitcoiners and, Shoot, and now I'm not going to out him as being older, but let's just say a very well-known Twitter personality who's been on some podcasts uh, is of that older generation and is pseudonymous. Um, and he's super excited about the fact that everybody's, you know, nephews and grandkids and kids and all the Gen Z and millennials will be asking boomers for Bitcoin as a present and how that's going to actually spread through and, and give some of those people a shot at participating in a few bull runs, um, you know, probably when they most need it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, anything like this that just gets it in the hands of more people. I, who was I speaking with yesterday? The, the topic comes up a lot, you know, of how might resistance to Bitcoin manifest, either from a state level or, you know, most likely from a state level. And, uh, you know, the, the talk always kind of goes to mining, right? Like, could they con could the state actor control, you know, 51% of the mining power and stuff like that? And most people think they could if they really wanted to. But the more hands that this stuff is in, then politically it just becomes, you know, very, very unpopular. If we can get to the stage where there's tens of millions, hundreds of millions, or even billions of people that have some skin in the game, then, mm -hmm. you know, you can't criminalize that, that number of people. You can't, you know, be too onerous with regulations on that number of people. So anything, that, you know, like give Bitcoin or like... Um, you know, companies like Lolly now and Fold that are basically giving you sats back for when you spend just so that, you know, more and more people at scale have 50 bucks, 100 bucks, something like that in the game. Then I think that's probably the biggest protection against, you know, regulation of some kind, onerous regulation. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, you've got sort of like, yeah, it's it's economic decentralization. Right, exactly. And so does the uh, does the 2.25 uh percent on the way in does that cover custody for maximum five years or if you time lock it for five versus one it's the curriculum all of the custody it's all priced in so there's no difference to me the giver in in cost if it's one or five years that's right interesting yep all right so what's the plan for launch you said next tuesday what's what do you got in the pipeline that's what we're working on. I hope it gets out the door. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it's Tuesday or a little bit after that, it'll it'll be out this month for sure. Um, no, I mean, I think 
software products like this, you put it out there, you see what the uptake is, and you see kind of who it's hitting with naturally, and then you start marketing tests, basically. So we'll, we'll basically use the rest of the fall, uh, you know, through kind of the end of the year, we've got some money, and, and we're going to put it through marketing tests and, and understand who really, really likes this and who wants it, you know. Uh, you know, is this the number one gift for bar mitzvahs in 2020? Because a 13-year-old sees that five-year time lock and just loves it. Um, you know, are people virtue signaling by, you know, saying hashtag proof of hodl when they smash buy for themselves and they give Bitcoin to themselves and time lock it? And they, you know, post that on Twitter and they say like, you know, hey, Cash App is great, but look, I just proved that I'm a hodler. <laughs> So that's that's totally fine too, right? You could just gift it to yourself. That's that's yeah. And we have recurring buys as well, so you can you can give to somebody else uh, once or recurring. You can ask for people to give you Bitcoin once or recurring, and you can buy for yourself once or DCA. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a cool service, man. So what what is this a this is a full time thing I for you now, right? Sir. Well, yeah, I'll definitely check it out when it's available. Uh, what's this is full time for you? Yeah. And do you have a, what kind of a team do you have working on this with you? Uh, so there's six of us like pretty focused on it and then a bunch of people helping out. So yeah, I, uh, we've got a fairly large extended team. I, I'm just getting done with the LLC agreement right now and I have to get 25 signatures. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like advisors and investors and that but, kind of stuff. Uh, not investors because investors are, are in on a, on a safe just a you know like a note but um yeah people that have like initial starting cap table there's 25 people it's pretty funny um so you can think of our marketing essentially as being equity funded because we have a lot of like people that are that are known and loved and you know understood by bitcoiners and, and really you know guiding us toward the right things you know we've been we've been thrilled to get the support of some people that are like you know really noisy about being not your keys not your coins that understand that even though i also like I actually want people to sweep their account when they get out of their time lock and go through Wasabi and, and put it in cold card. Like that's really the ideal. Um, but you know, people like Matt O'Dell and Stefan Levera and Safe that are that are all about that recognize that the benefits of this, you know, far outweigh, you know, for a lot of people that we should be getting into Bitcoin, the mass audience basically. Yeah. Um, this is a net positive. I'm just I'm still thinking about your comment about virtue signaling as a as a hodler you know i could i could easily see that becoming something you know where where people because right now you know stacking sats is kind of the thing you you know on, at least on twitter especially with the non-accounts you know you got people that are very public about how vigorously they're they're stacking and uh to be able to say that you stacked and you locked it for five years that i could see that becoming a bit of a thing i guess we'll have to wait and see yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to make it like really fun to share. So we'll have like the the goal is within a month or two we'll have like three or four different you know visuals or memes or things that you can kind of include with your posts. Um, I could see it being really big with like the Taco Club crowd, <laughs> all of the all of the six point one five fans. Right. right. <laughs> um, cool, man. Well, I uh, that's kind of satisfied a lot of my questions. Did we, did we miss anything with give Bitcoin? Was there any kind of attributes or, or aspects of the service that we didn't touch on? Um, no, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. So you just, you guys are just, uh, on fire now trying to get launched by next Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of spreading the word and letting people know that we exist. Cool, man. 
Well, uh, I don't know if you've listened to previous episodes, but I've got kind of a, a rapid fire list of questions now. So if we're if we're unless you have anything else to add about give Bitcoin, we'll just break into that. Oh, no, I, I'm pretty ready, man. I, I picked up Spetsky from the airport yesterday and we did a Bitcoiners brunch and Breedlove was there and I talked to Hass uh, earlier today uh, for the first time by phone. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm hitting the uh, gallery. <laughs> uh, I two of these yesterday. So I, I don't actually, I actually planned to prepare a couple of answers and then I got just smashed with work all day and I have nothing. So it'll uh, really it's better just that way. The head, yeah. Yeah. What's up, guys? That's the end of the further discussion portion of my conversation with Corey. If you want to hear the rapid fire episode, that's available now as well. Later.